The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 170 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. We have got such a fun and fantastic conversation coming up for you. But first of all, I do want to thank uh, two new reviewers on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The first one is JGS1525, uh, who says they love each and every episode and that they're huge fans. Thank you so much. As well as Kayla199721, who says she just finished listening to uh, Mike Pilkey's episode and is feeling so spiritually full. I agree. I think we have amazing guests. Uh, Thank you both so much for your five-star reviews, but I agree with both of you. We've got incredible guests who share beautiful stories, and I also felt so spiritually full after talking to Mike Pilkey. And speaking of amazing guests, great conversations, boy, do we have one for you today. I am loving these Catching Up episodes. It is so fun to have friends of mine come back in and to be able to catch up with them and see what they've been up to, especially how the pandemic affected them and everything else going on in their lives. And we always joke that no one's name has come up more than Jason Hewlett. If you go back to the entertainers that we've had on, almost all of them, at some point, Jason has done something for them, or they look up to Jason, or he's helped them in some way. And and Jason really is, I think I understate it. I kind of said he's the biggest in Utah and one of the biggest, you know, wherever. He's one of the biggest in the country. I mean, literally, people fly him all over the world to have him speak to them, to have him perform. And we are just so blessed to have him here. And he and I have been friends for so many years. We have so many inside jokes. And he's one of these wonderful friends who we can just pick up anytime just anytime we see each other, and maybe it's been a year, or it's been a year and a half, or even two years, whatever, and it's just what a wonderful friendship I have been blessed to have with with Jason. We went out to dinner before we recorded, and just, there's for some reason, there's just almost no one who makes me laugh like Jason does. I just love him. You will love this conversation. And uh, coming up this week in my Latter-day life, hey, I'm finally a 49er. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, back in the Latter-day Live studios, back where it all started, my guest, we always joke that he is the single most mentioned person on Latter-day Lives. In fact, I think there was a good year there where every guest brought up your name, Welcome back to the show, Jason Hewlett. Welcome back. I can't believe we're doing this, man. When you were like done with it, I was like, no, my favorite show. Here we are. Yes. So Jason and I were just reminiscing about four years ago uh, when I called Jason and said, hey, I'm going to do a podcast. Would you be willing to be on it? And and uh, we had a good laugh about all the podcasts that are out there that 
do five episodes, get no listeners and end. And I was sure this was going to be it, but here we are now, you know, quite a few episodes later. So welcome back. This is a catching up with Jason Hewlett. So. Oh man, I'm so honored you even ask. And obviously I'm a huge fan. And how fun is it wherever I go that people have said either they heard this episode or this is their favorite podcast. Oh, that's kind of people. True story. That's really cool. Well, it's also fun to be back where we built our brotherhood, uh, back in our home, where, gosh, what is it, 20 years ago? Pretty close. 18 years ago, something like Must that? Must have been, yes, sir. It's been a long, long time. A lot of you good therapy I, sessions. Yeah, we wrote a lot together. We wrote some really good stuff, too. We laughed uh, until we cried, <laughs> and we've done a lot of that tonight already. We, we just got back from going out to dinner. But as a reminder... For out of the thousands of you, the two of you who don't know who Jason Hewlett is, oh, yeah. uh, Jason is, I think most people would agree, the top entertainer in the state of Utah for sure, probably in the Intermountain West. He is a National Speaker Association Hall of Famer. He is the, the guy that everybody, all the speakers in uh, in Utah, really look up to him and just an amazing guy, an amazing all-around entertainer. So uh, also corporate speaker, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the Promise and the Promise Institute and these other things you're doing. But I want to go back, and the, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on, first of all, selfishly, just so we could hang out, but secondly, <laughs> uh, the pandemic hit. Take us to what your life was like two months before the pandemic hit. Oh yeah, that was January 2020 and I was on a plane to Budapest to go and perform for a couple thousand people in the multi-level marketing industry, direct sales, and they were an awesome audience and I had a full nice year of big live shows lined up for 2020, baby. Oh yeah, I was going to make a lot of money and pay a lot of tithing. <laughs> This <laughs> is going to be a huge tithing year for the Hewlett family. Yes, and so we were excited about that because that's always a, a wonderful thing to have a lot of bookings far out, as you know. Yeah. And then, yeah, all, uh, things started to be whispered about live events and corporate and the things that I do. And for my career, I mean, I've, you know, my career, I mean, I, I've averaged at some points of my career... 200 shows per year, yeah, which is insane. Once we finally had kids and I wanted to get to know them, then, <laughs> then we raised my fee and then we lowered the amount I was on the road. So actually over the last few years as a keynote speaker doing entertainment, I've been averaging 75 gigs a year. That's amazing. But you think about it sounds like so much less, still one and a half per week. Like, I mean, that's more than a show a week. Oh yeah. That's a lot. I yeah. mean, and, and you're not doing shows like it was back in the old day where tonight is Orem, next week is West Valley. No. You're talking about literally all over the world you're yeah. traveling. We're talking Sydney, Australia one week to Malaysia the next, and then over to New York or Las Vegas, yeah. Orlando. And these are all the events that are generally 500 people is small. Yeah. And that's just kind of where it's gotten. And so obviously, I love the old days with the, the little events here and there, but that was really stringing a lot of them together. And then 2020 was, wow, I have a lot going on. Here we go. Going to spend a lot of money. 
So, <laughs> so you 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 talk about loving the old days. Uh-huh. Do you love Butte, Montana? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Butte, Montana! I've had some great gigs there, man. Oh yeah, sorry. Not in the winter, but yeah, no, it's it's just so funny. All the little towns. My favorite is Perkins. As long as they have a Perkins coupon. <laughs> For free ice cream. For free ice cream. So Jason and I are laughing at a personal <laughs> joke that no one's going to get in our audience. But we did a gig together in Butte, Montana, where we drove, hours. I don't know how many hours. We drove from Idaho to Montana or something. And then I just remember flying out in the morning and you were wearing a cowboy hat. And I, <laughs> I don't know why, but we laughed so hard. Gosh, that was one of my favorite gigs, though. That was so fun. And remember, they didn't have enough money to give us enough money, and so they gave us Perkins coupons. Yes. We got we got gift cards to Perkins, the diner. Uh, the yeah. Diner. Oh gosh, that was a fun. Which Perkins is great. Uh, hey, love Perkins, love Butte, and actually, Butte's we performed awesome. in a, like a rodeo ground. Totally awesome. There was not a person. They it looked like a rodeo crowd. That was a lot of fun. But I digress. That was many years ago. So back to 2020. Yeah. So you got this year lined up. You're going to spend a lot. You're going to make a lot. Everything's like lined up for you. Because since our last episode with you, which is three years ago, um, you've gotten a lot more into the corporate speaking, more inspirational style speaking. I don't want to couch it as just that, but I think for our audience to understand it. Uh, talk about the first cancellation. Do you remember what the first cancellation from COVID was? Oh, yeah. I was at the Maverick gas station. And you remember exactly oh, where you were. Oh, yes, I do. It was on March 11th. And I was sitting at the gas station and I got a call from the company and they said, hey, you know, this whole thing that's happening, we're, we're not going to do our event. And I said, oh, dang, what, what are you going to do? Can we do something virtual? And they said, oh, no, no, we'll, we're not going to do virtual. And I said, well, we could try something, you know, or maybe I could come and I could do something as a motivational this or an entertainment that. They said, oh, no, no, we're shutting our doors down and we're sending everyone home. And I thought, oh, well, that's really sad. What, you know, what would you like to do with your deposit? Do you know that that just can be available for whenever you want to use me? And they were like, that would be fine. And I thought, well, at least they're going to let me keep the deposit. Wow. Yeah, I, I was grateful for that. Yeah. Because then the other calls came that needed the deposit that I had already spent back. So did it kind of start as a slow roll? No. Or did it come pretty fast and furious? It was from Maverick, and then... <laughs> by the time you got home, you had lost eight It gigs. was by the time I had taken the gas nozzle out and put it back in. I had four texts and oh, no. seven emails. And I'm oh, like, I hate to laugh at this. Oh, it was disastrous. Jason. And it is funny. I was laughing as I was crying and driving home. And I remember, because I was coming back from being featured in a magazine, and it was a big deal. Like, my whole career, I've been waiting for this. And nobody saw this magazine because it was just buried under the news of tragedy. And so this was a really wild time for us because we had all these plans to do a lot of neat things that summer. And, you know, when you're speaking like I do, you have seasons. It's it's spring and fall. And then you just take a majority of your time off summer and winter. And so we were going to drive across the country in our motorhome and do all these things. Now I'm thinking, oh, can I keep the motorhome? 
like that kind of a quick question yeah popped into my mind as i'm driving home to tell my family hey we just lost most of our gigs this year how do you how do you process that like what does that look like i mean there's not like a plan b at that point right no i don't have a plan b (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately i didn't get that class in school (laughs) and college never happened for me so i've made my living as you know on stage in front of a lot of people and i rely on those people to laugh and have a good time and that feeds me and i feed them with what i can do and so uh, the processing of it was I was laughing and crying and praying, and uh, I all of a sudden felt like Lehi, leaving Jerusalem, yeah. if you will. Right. Um, and not, you know, not voluntarily. I was just like, I guess this is what's happening. Mm. The The flood is coming. Has my boat been built? You know? Wow. And unfortunately, no, it had not. So, yeah, we lost uh, essentially all of our income, and... Plenty of clients asked for their deposit back, and others were generous and actually even sent me the full balance. Wow. Because they said, we will use you in the future, we just don't know when. So it was really amazing to watch the different companies and how they responded to their tragedy too, because they had to close their doors. So a lot of our a lot of our mutual friends in the speaking and entertaining world, you're the guy. Like you're the guy that everybody looks to, you're the you're the leader of the, the speakers or whatever. You're captain speaker. Um, but uh, it's a very but, sad, sad cap. The, no, the cavalry seriously. is going. I I know I know for a fact uh, because we have so many mutual friends. Everybody looks to you. Were you getting a ton of calls from other national speaker association people? Because a lot of our friends and, and a lot of them like you, you speak and entertain. Rob speaks and DJs, you know, I mean, but it's still in person, whatever. Were you getting a lot of calls with, hey, what are we doing here? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was therapy session 24-7 for a good couple of weeks. People, I mean, we didn't even know how to do Zoom calls, some of us. And so that was just like, I had the the window behind me at that time for my computer and video, you know, shot. And so... Man, it was a mess. Yeah. And everyone was calling, yeah, saying, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? And I was saying, what are you going to do? And they were like, some were like, I'm going to go get a job, like a real job. Because speaking is considered to us, we're like, this, is, this isn't even work. This is amazing, you know. <laughs> and then others are saying, I'm just going to wait it out, man. I'm just going to wait it out. And I'm like, how wealthy are you? <laughs> yeah. How, do, how long do we know? This do you not be? have kids? Right. And so those were the people that were like, I'm just going to wait it out. I have retirement, no kids around. We're good. Mm. I'm just going to wait. And in March, we didn't know. I mean, it's hard to remember back, but I remember in March, to me, it hit like a ton of bricks when I found out Disneyland was closing. I never thought that would happen. And I said, well, everything will be open by summer. You know, by summertime, we'll be back on track. Did you you feel like this was going to be a pretty short season? No, I knew. I knew. knew right away. I was like... I felt some kind of cold winter's coming. <laughs> and winter is coming. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it and it did. And so I wish I could have said, yes, guys, we're going to be back in a couple of months. I literally felt mm. this is going to be a long haul. You'd better figure something else out really fast. 
and that was the switch to virtual. And did you make that switch like right away, or yes. did you? You didn't take time to mourn. I would think no. that there'd be time. Okay. To kind of have some self pity and mourn <laughs> the loss. I'm being serious. I would. You're right. I did do some mourning, and it was like. Uh, walking around the lake for two or three hours. Mm. And I would be praying and saying, what do I do? What should I do? And the answer was always, get to work. Wow. That was it. Whatever work looks like, Mm. whether that's writing or recording or coming up with the virtual solution. Yeah. Because I don't have a podcast yet. I didn't have some of these things rolling. I had a book that was supposed to come out in August of 2020. And so I was like, what am I going to do with that? Had you already finished it before the pandemic started? Yeah. Oh yeah. I sent it to the printer and, or in the publisher in 2019. Mm. So I was ready to go for a big 2020 launch. And then all of a sudden people had no money, weren't spending anything. Yeah. Worst time you could think of for a book launch. And then we thought, well, maybe it'd be good because they're trapped at their house. (laughs) Nothing to do but read. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I did mourn for sure. I mean, I would mourn and then go to work. And to going to work meant figure out a solution as fast as possible yeah. to still deliver something to the client. Yeah. Even though I didn't know how to do that. All right. So here comes the big shift. Yeah. What was the shift? Was it just, I got to be virtual? Yeah. Did you it. see any other entertainers or speakers go first? And did you kind of follow footsteps or did you blaze your own trail? Good question. There's a guy named Vin Zhang. He's mm. a... Great speaker out of uh, Australia who's also lived in L.A. And he's just this fascinating uh, Asian dude who does magic. Mm. And so he had multiple cameras set up in his garage. And he had all these cool lights. And, and, and he was doing Facebook Lives every day, working out the kinks of his video. Oh, and just I, putting it out there. Yeah. And, and he had already been doing that anyway. So he was the guy we were looking at. And then... As I'm starting to try to figure out what to do, all of a sudden, our old buddy Clint Pulver yeah. just comes flying by everybody like Mighty Mouse. You know, we're like, well, there he goes. Clint Pulver figures it out. And he he was all of a sudden the industry leader that everyone looked to nationwide. Yeah. His studio was, his whole setup with his drums and his studio and everything he did. Yeah, multiple cameras, killer yeah. lighting. He he was really the on the forefront of that for everybody here in the United States. And he just had this great studio right down the street from where you live. Yeah. And I went to it and I went, oh my heavens, you already figured this out? How did you figure this out? How do you have all these cameras? How can you switch all these? Those were things we didn't know. Yeah. And he introduced me to the right guy. And next thing I knew, that guy was practically living at my house. Really? Yeah. Teaching me everything. And for our listeners, you can go back and hear Clint's story. Clint's actually been on the show twice. Yeah. He came in uh, to talk about his Rising Generation project, as well as just when he did his full episode. I Throughout the whole pandemic, you know, you and I talked a few times. Um, I really watched you and Rob Foray and Clint Pulver as kind of the beacons, because you guys are all so driven. All three of you are so brilliant. You're all so talented, so creative. And also driven. I knew that the three of you would not do a woe is me or what do I do. If I'm being honest, we have friends who, uh, and I would never name names here, but we have friends who are motivational speakers who I knew would not be able to deal with this pandemic on their own, which is kind of a weird dichotomy. Like, I'm going to teach you how to win in the face of adversity until I hit adversity. Yep. 
There were a lot of people who collapsed and folded during the pandemic. Especially the motivational speakers, because unfortunately, you know, if you're solely a motivational speaker and that's what you rely upon, I don't know if motivation is enough. And you need to have inspiration and perspiration, and you need to have every kind of innovation in order to create something, right? And so, yeah, for sure. Jason Nation. (laughs) That's what's happening. Yeah, well, it was me and Clint and Rob Foray, for sure, and then a guy in in Las Vegas that's a mutual friend of ours, Jeff Savilico. Oh, yeah, He jumped all over it, and he's a great... Jeff Jeff got very into the charity stuff. Oh, yeah, he started his own foundation, Win-Win Entertainment, where he lines up entertainers and and youth, you know, or or, uh, hospitals that need entertainment. And so he was doing it at a studio Mm. that he rents every time. So he wasn't doing his homemade version in his house where the others of us were. Yeah. And so we thought, do we rent a studio and then pay money that we don't get for gigs now? Because now, Sean, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, we have no money, even if they need me. So they would call up and people would say, hey, can you do like 30 minutes? Just a quick, just jump on real quick and make us laugh for 30 minutes. And I was like, yeah, how, I mean, what's in your budget? And they were like, oh, no, we just need this as a favor. And, wow. and I'd say, oh, well, this is how I make a living. And they would say, yeah, and we don't have any money for that. And we're not willing to pay anybody to do that. So either you can take the slot or leave it. <laughs> I was like, wow. am I starting my career over? That's what I was going to say, Jason. I'm, I'm having nightmare flashbacks of when I started at stand-up. Yep. It was, uh, you know, people love to pay an exposure. It'd be great exposure for you, you know? It'll be, that's awesome. Yeah, exposure's know? good. Yeah, hey, electric company, how come you turn off my power? I have so much exposure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was going to pay you an exposure this You know, month. the only time they ever talk about exposure anywhere is like, hey, if you go out in the winter <laughs> and you have too much exposure, you will die. Yes. Well, that's how I look at it at this you point. You get arrested for indecent exposure, but otherwise. <laughs> yeah. um, so that was all they Jason, offered. Jason, that's got to be just so hard. And there's so much pressure mm-hmm. on all of us as adults, but on men specifically, you're going to elders quorum and hearing, be a provider, be a leader, be all these things. And then you got people going, hey, we need you to do this free. Did you end up taking those free gigs? I could see two sides. I can see one side of saying, I'm going to do it just to keep the wheels moving. I can see the other side saying, if I do this, I'm going to not, I'm never going to be able to not do this. Okay. I could see both arguments. What do you think I did? I mean, you know me. I don't know. I know you. I know you so well, but I'm saying I could make the two arguments because I've seen both of those sides of you. Because I've always kept the value high. So for for many years, and we talk about this in your episode, for many years, I made countless tens of thousands of dollars off of gigs you refused. For many years. I mean, tens and tens of thousands of dollars of people calling and saying, hey, we can only afford this much. Jason won't take it. Are you willing to take it? And me going, well, it's double my normal fee, so sure. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to hold out for Perkins coupons. but but. By the way, if you throw some in. (laughs) (laughs) I'll do an encore. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But so what did you do? I did everything. I, everything that came by. Darn, I, said, I should have said it. I, I was going to say, it. because I also know you that 
you don't like to say no. Like what, you what, like, do you, what do you think I was doing with all those? But you're working out. I'm working out. You're working out. That's yeah. It. And that's why comics take yep. whatever gigs. Sometimes it, it's – and little little secret. And tell me if I'm – you can correct this, but I will <laughs> tell our audience a secret on comedians at least. When we take those gigs, you're not getting the A+. plus. You're getting the new stuff. Totally. I need to work out this set, and I'm going to work it out on you. And some of it's going to hit, and it's going to hit big. Some of it's going to fall. <laughs> and I'm just making notes, but guess what? You didn't pay. Now what happens in a pandemic, Sean, and what's so infuriating about it is that next thing I knew, I'm trying to just make the video and the audio work. How do I add in music? How do I start singing? How do I do what I've created as an experience for all the audiences that expect of me a certain level of entertainment or professionalism? I can't just do this on my laptop. Yeah. It needs to look and sound awesome. It needs to be my standard. I call it promise level performance. Yeah, right? sure. And so where you're saying they were getting the not A plus material, I was using everything I had that was the best stuff I'd ever created. Mm. And it wasn't working. Really? No. So talk about that first gig. Talk about your first virtual gig. Oh, man. I, I don't even remember the first one, but I remember the first swath of them, which was, you know, three or four per day, just you, suffering You just got them. a pained look on your face when oh, I asked you that. It was horrible. Oh, it was horrible. I had one where I, I, turned on the can or I turned on the computer, clicked the link, and it nothing worked. Nothing happened. And so I missed one. And then another one where I would be on and all of a sudden it would freeze because all of a sudden I could hear in the background the kids were turning on Netflix and because I was still on a Wi-Fi network instead of Ethernet in. And mm. so just little things happening left and right. The dog barking, the chainsaw massacre happening outside of my window all of a sudden. <laughs> like, there's a chainsaw convention. Thanks for coming to my office. <laughs> and I think the audience just doesn't know because people who are really good mm – -hmm. It, they make it look easy. Like you're on stage. When you're on stage, you are the most effortless performer. Like you make it look like, you know, and I know how many thousands of hours have gone into it. You scrutinizing, should I wear this jacket or that, whatever. But you make it look like you just got up and just thought of all this off the cuff. That's how good performance is. Yeah. And so here you are going through all these struggles. Yeah. Was there a time where you thought, forget it, this isn't going to work? Yeah, I remember after probably two months worth and I was still trying to use the old computers that we had and and nothing was matching I mean my voice was about three ticks behind my face mm. and that kind of thing really bothers me and my best bits of my facial comedy sure. and all my Alvin the Chipmunks and all the good stuff that I'm doing <laughs> none of it is working Not nobody's laughing nobody's clapping even in the chat it's just ooh you know, and I'm like, oh, dude, <laughs> oh, what no. am I doing? Jason, so, this is heartbreaking. Yeah, it was bad. I, I didn't sleep, I would say, uh, other than maybe an hour or two nap sometime during some part of each mm. day or night for all of those months until it finally started to click, which was about mid-May or early, early June. And uh, I finally started getting some actual paid events. Yeah. And that was a great blessing. But I'll tell you. I, I think I did 50 gigs for free, wow. just trying it out, seeing what might work, a story that I could tell. 
Or yeah, it was, so not it only was, were you not making money, you're spending money because you're buying oh I cameras. Was, I was I buying mean, tens of thousands of dollars of stuff, and I'm going. I wonder if this will work. You know, so I'd go on Amazon <laughs> and just buy twelve variations on it, and then the guy that was helping me, he's like, "Let's try it." So we try them all, and none of them work. Send them back, or they would say, "We can't. You can't return policy." Whatever it was, it was crazy what we were doing. It was a real experiment. Wow. Eventually had to have a computer built from scratch just to be able to handle all the cameras. I was sending seven cameras through and doing all the lights. And Did the you sound. produce all your own stuff? Like, were you doing it while you were performing? Oh, yeah. I was doing the whole thing live. And you so didn't that's, have, like, a tech person or anything? No. No. I, I mean, we, we made it look like we did a little bit because I was good at switching and you yeah. couldn't tell. But yeah, this takes me back to our early days of performing <laughs> together when we had, remember when we would, oh, I had yeah. like a little wristband switcher for music and stuff. Yeah, that's and right. You had that stand with the, the, uh, right. the, the iPod. iPod on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, I remember, boy, it's like going back to those times. It was exactly like going back and we would sit at the dinner table as a family and my wife would say, guys, what your dad is doing is what he did at the beginning of his career. Wow. It's the same thing. Beautiful. But it used to be county fairs, elementary schools, Boy Scout events, beauty pageants. And now it's just in our house, and he's trying again. And she was just so supportive, as you know, That's she awesome. always is. She's the best. She's incredible. The kids were all part yeah. of it. Your wife is amazing. Your kids are amazing. So this becomes a thing. Did it, did it get to the point where you felt like you were kind of back or were you still, did you still feel through the whole pandemic like you were catching up? Oh yeah. It was a catch up the whole time. No yeah. question. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm still not back and here we are in what month is this now? Are we May yeah. 2021 yeah. something? Oh my gosh. I mean, it's been, it's been rough. And the truth is you lose what you thought you had and then you're so grateful for what you had. And you're way more grateful for what comes. Because I believe I got to a place where I was thinking, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty hot stuff. Mm. You know, 20, 2014 to 2019, pretty hot stuff, man. Yeah, you were living large, man. I mean, yeah. you were. And yeah. Earned, though. It's not like it was given to you. So, I mean, give yourself credit. You worked to earn your place in... in and I wasn't being facetious or kissing up when I say top entertainer speaker in Utah. That's just a fact. I mean, that's just who you are. So it must have been very humbling. Um, during right. the <laughs> during the pandemic, as if you didn't have enough going on, uh, you got a new calling at church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right at, what was it, right around the beginning of May? Well, it was a year ago. About a year ago, yeah. They called me in and actually they didn't even call me in. It was a... FaceTime call with the stake president. I'm like, why would he want to FaceTime me? So I grew my beard out extra long. <laughs> <laughs> and I wore a t-shirt. <laughs> no. <laughs> and my, my wonderful, yeah. <laughs> he goes, wait, how did I see you mowing your lawn the other day? <laughs> and so uh, I got on the call with my wife there and through a choppy internet connection, he extended the call to the high council. Yeah. And that just knocked me out. It's awesome. I said, President, of course I accept, but do you understand what's happening to me? I said, I may be declaring bankruptcy soon. 
Like we're putting our motorhome on the market to sell it. And we're, we, we don't know if we're going to keep this house. And he said, this is the calling we know, you know, that you've been called to is divinely. And so let us know how we can help. Wow. And he did say, you'll be fine. And we have been. What a blessing. Yeah. That's a lot to take on all at once. Oh, yeah. So I want to backtrack a little bit. Uh, I want to talk about the book, and then I want to talk about the Institute. So let's talk about the book first. Talk about the book, The Promise to the One. So The Promise to the One is, a lot of people go, what is that? Who is the one? And the one is you, yourself. Mm. What's your promise to yourself? Because it's usually the last one you think of. Usually Rocky Road. (laughs) <laughs> my promise to myself if I do a good show exactly, yeah. or if I don't do a good show. <laughs> yeah, it's both. <laughs> the, the waitress at Denny's. How was the show? Oh, it was horrible, but it was great. Or if I do an okay show. <laughs> or if I don't do a show. <laughs> but I digress. All right, continue. So the promise to the one is the promise to yourself. Promise to yourself. And so for for years, I've been teaching this principle about the promise. And there are three elements within that. The promise to the audience, which are your clients or your customers. The promise to the family, which is your team at work or your family at home. And the promise to the one, which is yourself. I leave that in the speech as the last piece, talking about yourself, because there's so few times that we even keep a promise to ourselves. Sure. And so as I'm laboring over trying to write this book about promise and all these elements, it comes to me, why don't you just write the promise to the one first? Cause that's the one we break the most. And so that was eventually the thought that you could write then a series of promised books. Mm. So, uh, I mean, I'm an okay writer. I write a weekly blog. I'm very faithful with that. Yeah. And I started to sit down and try to carve out an hour or two here and there within my weeks to write. Mm. And I wrote the intro around 97 times, <laughs> just over and over and just just tweaking it and, you know, doing my little Leonardo da Vinci painting the Mona Lisa for a 40 years yeah. deal. And so... You're a tremendous writer. I just, I, I need you to know, you know you're a tremendous writer. I read almost everything that you write. And I laugh hysterically. I mean, we were talking about it when we were out to dinner tonight. You know, you wrote one about trying to buy a truck last week. Uh, And not to interrupt your flow on the book, but if you go visit jasonhewlett.com, the blog archives, find his article about his motorhome and his first experience with his motorhome. Jason, I'm not kidding. To this day, one of the like top five funniest things I've ever read in my entire life. Really? Oh my oh, wow. gosh. It is so funny. Anyway. That was some desperation writing there too. Oh, it is just classic and I highly recommend our audience check it out. <laughs> okay. That is a great piece. Well, but continue. I'm just saying, I think I'm good at writing a blog, but writing a book is a whole new animal, it's a right? a huge venture, yeah. Yeah. So, and especially because a blog is just something you can go find online where a book is a real thing that sticks around forever. And so yeah. it's just kind of a daunting thought. I sure. have written other books, but yeah. they were help. I had help with ghost writers and other things. This one I was going to do on my hmm. own. I was going to self-publish on my own and just have a bunch of copies in my garage. So I, I can't write this book. I just can't get it out. And I finally said to Tammy, I said, you know, I can't write this 
little choppy here, choppy there. She said, well, what do you need to do? And I said, I think I need to go up to the top of the mountain in the motorhome and just not come back till it's done. Hmm. And she goes, really? <laughs> like, I'll never see you again. Really? Yeah. Until it's done? 2024? <laughs> I know. The kids will be in college when you're back. I know, yeah. All right. So I, I said, yeah, I think if I do that kind of a deadline, kind of like a major promise to myself, I will not come back till I'm done. Uh, motorhomes are great. Motorhomes great. But you don't want to be there longer than a few days. <laughs> no. Yeah. You start to go a little bit crazy. And so she said, okay, whatever you have to do. And so I went up to the mountain. And we have a we have a family ranch in... In Woodland, Utah, which you've been to. I've been to. And beautiful place. Beautiful place. So I just parked right up in there and I, I said, I am focusing and I'd get on my knees each morning and I'd say, Okay, I need your help now. Beautiful. Please. Like this is I need this now. Please help me. And I had written out the topics that I want to talk about and write about in the chapters. And they're very simple. You know, it's habits, it's self acceptance, it's it's character, integrity. I even wrote a chapter called God. And Sean, I don't know how this happened other than divine inspiration, but within three days it was done. And I had written 50,000 words, and I, I came down from the mountain, and I, I took my laptop, and I threw it to the ground, and I said, <laughs> it is finished! No! <laughs> <laughs> take that Chromebook. Yeah, take that. get the heads Chromebook. <laughs> like uh, Moses, like seriously, smashing I, the tablet. Smashing the tablet. I li- uh, I I came down from the mountain. You literally came down from the mountain. I, I love. That. I actually did. I had sardines and crackers in my beard because <laughs> that's all I ate. I just packed a bunch of sardines. Hey, there's a great little diner up by your family property. That that's right. You and I had like uh, Reuben's. We had Reuben sandwiches at oh, a little yeah. diner right up by your family yep. property. There's some beautiful places but that I'm man, telling. that's amazing. So you just cranked it out. Yeah. Did you Did you feel like you really got into a rhythm while you were writing? Oh, yeah. I mean, each morning I'd get up and I'd read my scriptures and I would, I would take a walk up into the mountain even higher, and then I would just simmer upon the thoughts that I had, and then mm. I'd come back and I'd just sit in the chair and open it up and go. And I had bought a computer just for it, this, just a little $300 one at the Walmart, and cranked it out. Amazing. And you know, it was a wonderful experience. In fact, I was so worried that the computer would like have a malfunction issue or something yeah. that I would, after each chapter was written, I would then read it into my voice memos to have it at least recorded. Ah, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I sent it to a couple of different editors and the editors were like, Hey, your writing is really unique because I can hear your voice in here. Sure. And I capitalize letters that shouldn't be. And I use way too many hyphens and squiggly lines. Mm. And they said, if you want us to do this grammatically correct, we'll have to edit the heck out of it, and you won't know what it sounds like, but we think you should probably keep it. So it really wasn't edited very much either, and that's what's so fascinating to the person who published it, is when they, they read it, they said, hey, this is really unique. So you had a publisher publish it? 
Yeah, I was going to self-publish because I just thought nobody would want it. And eventually was introduced to the right people. And you know what's an interesting story that I haven't shared, I don't think, anywhere? The publisher read the, uh, the manuscript and came back to me and said, Hey, you know, this is a hit book. I said, really? He said, yeah, this might be like a an actual self-help classic type book. Wow. I said, oh, gosh, well, I didn't know that could be possible. And he said, but we have a problem. with There's a chapter, chapter 10. I said, oh, the chapter on God? Mm. He said, yeah. He said, you're mostly going to be selling these at big, large corporate events with leaders and you know, kind of more of the worldly group. And I said, yeah, sell that at the back of the room or they'll buy it in bulk. And he said, you know, if you have that chapter in there, you're going to lose a majority of your sales right when they see that chapter heading. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Mm. And he goes, you're okay with that? And I said, well, of course. Why wouldn't I be? That's a, that's a main point of the book. That's the only reason there is a book. And he goes, oh, good. That's what I was thinking, too. I was just testing you. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been tempting for a minute to want to go, oh, well, maybe I should compromise. Maybe I should sell. Yeah, I mean, for a second, I thought, well, maybe that, maybe he's right. But then I thought, you know, why would I, why would I bend that after all the things I've not bent through the, yeah, you right. know, in the years? Yeah, that's maybe not the time to finally bend. <laughs> How great to find a publisher like that. I know. And, you know, these guys are incredible. They're out of Pennsylvania and just yeah, this awesome. wonderful group. And they, they publish, they have the rights to publish all of Napoleon Hill's uh, Think and Grow Rich and all no that. Kidding. Oh, yeah. So they're very much on the on the higher end. They're called Sound Wisdom Great Company. That's yeah. amazing. Talk about uh, the Promise Institute. So the Promise Institute was founded because of the book. And so the Promise to the One touched the hearts of so many people already yeah. uh, even being released during the pandemic it's been a huge hit it was a number one on amazon the day it came out under the spiritual self-help awesome which was really neat that is cool yeah and and so uh in october of 2020 i went to an old friend her name's heidi totten and she and i had worked together on social media and other things through the years she runs an organization called 100 humanitarians and they go to kenya and take groups over there that want to do humanitarian service for the people. Awesome. They do wonderful work. And I said to Heidi, hey, I really need your help. I'd like to start something with The Promise. And she said, well, uh, you know, I'm the biggest champion of The Promise. I love it. She's bought it for everybody, given it to her friends and family. And she said, uh, if we're going to start something, which I think we should, we've been talking about it for a while, we need to include two others. And so then introduce to Alan Roberts and Bud Heaton. And these these three business owners who already were very good speakers, John Maxwell trained trainers, just really outstanding people, great at marketing and sales, great at coaching. We all came together with our different talents and we decided that we're going to start the Promise Institute. Awesome. Yeah, and we all have this share the same faith and we all are just all about making it so that people understand their promise to themselves, promise to the world. And we're teaching them leadership through assessment. 
We're taking them on retreats to Kenya or the Grand Tetons or to Moab and doing leadership mixed with Jason Hewlett doing funny stuff and online courses. And man, it is rolling. It's exciting. I'm so excited if about it. If people want to check out the Promise Institute, where do they go? Yeah, they could just go to jasonhewlett.com is the simplest place where everything lands. Or they could just go to promiseinstitute.com. And Incredible. there's a lot of neat stuff on there. I love the I love the Promise Um and I think when you were on the show before, maybe the promise had just hatched or maybe not even yet. But as a reminder, give us the quick kind of 30-second whatever overview of why, why a promise. It's one of my favorite things you, you talk about. Why a promise? So we like to say that uh, a lot of people talk about goals and setting a goal, hitting a goal. But if you, if you miss a goal, you just set another goal. And so that's why we like to say, why set a goal? when we can make a promise. Because if you make a promise and break it, you have a problem on your hands. So promise is the highest level of engagement we commit to in any experience. Mm. So what is our promise to those that we serve, to ourselves, to God? Think about His promises to us. He never said, I, uh, I set a goal <laughs> that it's if so you true. obey me, <laughs> you might get something else in return. He's a God of promises. And so we just figure, you know, this word of promise is so powerful. And promises are, are, are not, there's no deadline. That's why we say it's, it's like a sacred goal. Yeah. It's a very beautiful word. And there's all kinds of funny quotes that, you know, we found. About, like Norman Vincent Peale said, promises are like crying babies in a theater. They must be taken out at once. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's really a great, great concept. And it's worked really well in the corporate space now that people understand what I'm doing. Because a lot of people, Sean, when I became the keynote speaker, were like, oh, we don't want you to come here because we know you're (laughs) supposed to be funny. And I was like, no, it is funny. I'm showing you what happens if you break a promise. I'm proving what happens when a performer keeps a promise. Then I yeah. do the do the performance like the singer, like the Bee Gees. When you can't hear that we are singing this song, I'm singing high, but not for long. Right? So I'm doing that, and then they're laughing, and I go, hey, the promise is that they'll perform in their voice, do their best. That's their performer's promise. What's yours? Beautiful. Get some thinking. It's cool. Oh, it's awesome. Do you see that now the virtual keynote, the virtual performances – will be a permanent thing uh, in addition to live? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I really love the magic of it because now what I can do is uh, if they say, hey, can you be in Africa at this time and I just, I can't, then I can say, well, I can do it virtual and that works. Mm. Or if they need it at the wrong time and I can pre-record it, that's a wonderful solution. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there's all kinds of neat reasons to make it work. And then the other neat thing for me has been that I now have more leverage, where before it was like, you know, we're negotiating on dates and travel and how many people and what kind of money and all that. Now it's just like, well, take it or leave it. I'm not going to get on a plane unless you have this amount. Yeah. And so just for your audience's sake to know kind of the end of the story, I mean, I'm now getting as much doing my virtual as I was two years ago getting it live. And I've almost doubled my fee for live or in person, as they call it. And 
that's because I have that leverage. I, I, I really think that's a blessing to allow me to stay home more and be with my family, which you and I have talked about is yeah. the main hope and dream of every traveling performer. That's why we do it, right? I know. I mean, that's what everybody wants. Yeah. And if you can achieve all those things at once, that's phenomenal. If people want to check all these things out, jasonhewlett.com <laughs> is the easiest, right? That is, yes. And then uh, they can get all of your brilliant writing. It's just awesome. Anything else coming up that you're aware of? You know, I'm just so excited about putting together a podcast eventually. <laughs> yeah. I was just telling you some of my ideas because I'm so impressed with what you've done with this. And you've just spread the gospel word throughout the world. It's just so inspiring, and I'm so proud of you. And I'm I'm just so tickled when people tell me that they love this podcast, because I say, <laughs> I love it too. The music comes on. I hear Sean's happy voice. And yeah, so I've got the podcast in the works. The next few books will be coming out quick as well. Yeah, because your, your podcast will skyrocket <laughs> so fast. It's true. I mean, this this podcast was just built on time. We just you do it long enough, you will give it a You're chance. You're so fun. You've got your name out there, and anything your name is attached to, and and if you're a newer listener, you may not understand what we're talking about with this. But our listeners who have been with us from the beginning or have listened to all the podcasts, you have not only heard Jason Hewlett's story. I'm going to guess that quite literally, forty times. I'm going to guess that your <laughs> name has been brought up, and there was like a streak there where I had all of our mutual friends and. Every week it was like, so then what'd you do? Well, I'd hit rock bottoms. So I called Jason Hewlett because I knew he was at the top and I knew if there was any way. And and then I got the best advice ever from Jason Hewlett. It was like every time, which is awesome. But Jason, that's, and I've told you this so many times, it's such a big part of why you're so successful. You give more than anybody I know. You know, you give your time and you give your energy and you just give to the world and it comes back to you and and you deserve all of the good things. It's awesome. So, Well, thank you, brother. I'm sure grateful for all the people that have asked for help, you know, because that's all we really want is to be needed, to be utilized. My friend Chris Polis, that's all he ever says. He says, I want some heavenly choreography and to make sure that I'm always needed, like my patriarchal blessing says. Yeah. And so, yeah, even what's really neat, I'll tell you a quick little story, then yeah. we can wrap up. Uh, you remember uh, you remember Chris Polis, yeah? Of course. <laughs> so he Red was Lobster Chris. Red Lobster Chris. So Chris is... <laughs> Love uh, Chris. Chris is my original manager and mentor, and he's he's just hit 90 in, in February. Wow. And he was kind of passing away a couple of months ago. We mm. thought Thanksgiving he was going to check out. And I went over there with our friend, Coach Tony Ingle, yeah. who was just the legend of legends and the guy that introduced me and Chris. Coach Tony Ingle was a BYU basketball coach, and then he went on to win national championships at Kennesaw State and Dalton uh, State College. And he, he's been somebody that I've been able to mentor as a speaker. And then all of a sudden, Tony Ingle, healthy Tony, my dad's age, my best friend, he got COVID and he passed right away. Gone. Our whole family was stunned. The, the Ingles were shaken as a family. It was so horrible to see this thing actual, that we had heard all about all this sadness of COVID. And then all of a sudden there it was. And... Uh, 
as as we had the funeral and very few people were there and I remember asking his wife I said Jeannie uh you know coach had a gig she said oh you're right and I said I think he told me it's in June and she goes yeah it's in Georgia and I said can you find the emails and I'm going to call them so I called this lady up and I said hey I know I know you're going to have coach Ingle for your speech and she goes we just found out he passed away what are we going to do and I said do you mind if I come out and do that on his behalf and I can talk about him? And she said, well, who are you? And I convinced her to have me come out and speak to them on behalf of Coach Ingle. I get to do that next month oh. and speak in his place for his final gig. And you know what? Getting to serve and being able to help out where I can be needed and do something special like that, I'm so excited. That's that's the that's the taste of life right there, isn't it? I I can't imagine a greater way to honor a friend. Yeah. What a beautiful beautiful end note. And again, the more you put out there, the more you get back. It's beautiful. We're going to wrap up the way that we now wrap up that I didn't prepare you for for catching <laughs> up episodes. You know darn well how we end our regular episodes, but the way that we wrap up with our uh catching up episodes do you have a favorite hymn? Favorite hymn? Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, mine is a primary song. Yeah. We are as the armies of Helaman. We have been taught in our youth. And we will be the Lord's missionaries to bring the world his truth. To bring the world his truth. Yeah, I do. I do have a favorite one. <laughs> that was stunning. <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. He is uh, still the top speaker, top entertainer, and the at least in the Intermountain West, one of the tops in the nation. He is a, a true giver. He's a high counselor, a father, a husband, and uh, like a brother to me. Jason, thanks for coming back and sharing your latter-day life with us. Love you, brother. Thanks. Love you, too. And my special thanks to my dear friend, Jason Hewlett. What a blessing he is. And it was so fun to get to go out to dinner again and, and to hang out and talk. And we have such a beautiful friendship. I'm truly grateful for him. We've been friends, as you can tell, for a very, very long time. And he is just a tremendous blessing to so many. But specifically, he is a blessing in my life. Thank you, Jason. I love you to death. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, well... I turned 49 years old. <laughs> I am so on my path to being 50. Uh, the countdown has begun every day. And as I sat, I had such a wonderful birthday. And as I sat and kind of contemplated, what does it mean to turn 49? I tried to think back to when I was 39 and 29 and even 19. And I thought about the things I appreciate. And at the risk of really sounding old... <laughs> What I realized I appreciate most are simple things that I have grown to love simplicity. Uh, 
and I love just time with my children. And it doesn't have to be that we're doing something major or something super special. I just like spending time with them. And I'm grateful for time with my wife. And again, it doesn't have to be that we're on a trip somewhere exotic or doing something so memorable. I love going for a walk with her, especially when it's kind of that sunset dusk time. I just like spending time with my wife. And I love our home. And I love spending time with my dogs. And I love these simple things that just sound like they're maybe not that big of a deal. I'll tell you what I love that I never thought I would say this. Definitely when I was 29, I didn't care at all about this. I love a good night's sleep. <laughs> How old do I sound? I love when I, if I can sleep more than seven hours, oh, life is good. But as I sat reflecting on everything... I realize that right now in my life, I think I appreciate the gospel more than I did maybe when I was 39 and 29. I was busier with other things. And it's not to say the gospel wasn't important then, because it was super important, certainly when I was 19 and I was a missionary down in Chile. But as I've seen the effects of the gospel, I think you can't help but appreciate it more the older you get. The more I see families going through what we went through, families who have little kids. And I'm so grateful for the gospel for them. And when I look at our ward and I look at all the good members coming back to church, what a blessing it is being able to see them. I love being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I love it. I love our hymns. I love the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants. I love our church website. I love the church channel. I love it all. I just love all the media that the church puts out. I love the prophet. Oh, I love the prophet and the apostles. And I love general conference. And I think my appreciation has grown for the church and for being a member of it. And it just makes me want to jump up and dance. But again, I'm getting old and... I don't want to hurt myself. All right, I'm not that old yet. But it's true. I love simplicity. I love the simple, basic, good things in life. And I hope this continues. And I hope I can continue to be strong and to appreciate this church even more and to appreciate repentance and to appreciate being able to take the sacrament and to go to a sacrament meeting and to rub shoulders with such good saints and to get to tell stories of other people in our church through this podcast. What a blessing you all are to me for listening. I am on fire for the gospel. And I think the older I get, I think that's just going to become even more so. And that is okay with me. What a blessing it is to belong to this magnificent church and have the restored gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We really appreciate it. If you could, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen. We really appreciate them, and it certainly helps the show to be found. If you know someone who is struggling or just who enjoys good media or who's listening to bad media and you want to introduce them to good media, if you could share the show with them, we would be so very grateful. Well, I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>